I always love getting the opportunity to preach on uh, Children's Church Day, to see the kids run out. It's exciting. Well, good morning. It's great to be here. It's great to be worshiping our Lord and our Savior here this morning with you. Um, let's keep that in perspective. Let's keep that in mind as we continue on in worship and open up God's Word. Um, I think we're going to find that this morning is uh, challenging and encouraging at the same time. It at least was for me, so I hope it is for you too. Um, we're in a series called Friend of Sinners, and as the title suggests, um, Jesus, no matter where we're coming from, is a friend of ours. No matter if we're high or low, uh, no matter if we're dealing with struggles or we're just ready to celebrate this morning, Jesus is a friend of ours and we're in the right place if we're here, even if we're the wrong people. Because um, you see, the, sometimes, as, as Tim said the first week, the people furthest from religion were the closest to Jesus. And it was oftentimes the wrong people that gravitated toward Jesus, and Jesus stepped into their lives as well. I want to tell you a little bit of a story. Uh, a couple, actually, a number of years ago, when I lived in Atlanta, I had heard a really inspiring uh, Sunday message. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to go to downtown Atlanta. I'm going to witness to whoever I come across. I'm just going to share the gospel. I felt like that's what I was being called to do. So I rehearsed my gospel presentation. I got it all um, nice and tight, put it all together so it was going to really flow well. And wouldn't you know, the first person that I encountered was a thirsty woman. And I realized, man, I'm going to have to change my entire approach. I'm going to have to change my entire plan. Because what this woman needs right now, what I'm picking up right now, is this woman needs a glass of water. And she's not going to hear a single thing that I say if I just speak my little nifty message that I've worked so hard on. So now here's where the difficulty comes in. I could have just walked 20 feet to the nearest restaurant, gotten her a cup of water, given it to her, met that need, patted myself on the back and walked away. There, my good deed is done for the day, right? But I would have forgotten my whole reason for going down, my mission. Now, the other thing I could have done is I could have just ignored that need and said, oh, whatever, I'm here to preach the gospel, I'm here to speak, I'm here to witness, that's all I'm going to do, blah. And I could have spewed that really nice message all over that woman and she wouldn't have heard a single thing. See, because what we're going to see this morning is that worthwhile missions need constant attention. They need us to have... Uh, worthwhile missions require a sensitivity to those nuances of the bigger picture, the needs, but then also... Um, also the message that we're bringing. And all of us, all of us are on mission. Now, I know some of you are probably sitting there like, I'm not planning to go to downtown Lancaster anytime soon and, and witness like full-fledged, face-to-face, whatever. I'm not, I'm not planning to do that. But look, we're all on mission. 
Here's an example. I am both a dad and a husband. Those two things come under the bigger mission for me, my bigger purpose. And so if I go uh, and neglect my kids so that I can be paying attention fully to my wife and fully, um, always attentive to her needs, always looking out for what she needs, and I forget my children, eventually I'm going to fail at my bigger, bigger picture mission. But if I go the other way, if I swing the other way and say, look, I've got to care for my kids, I've got to pay attention to them all the time, 100% of my time, 100% of my energy to them, and I neglect my wife, eventually I'm going to fail in my bigger picture mission, right? So that's where we find ourselves constantly, day to day, living in that tension. But the question for this morning is, how do we respond to the tension? How do we respond to that, those nuances of our mission? How do we have that sensitivity to when we need to be swinging this way or swinging that way? And that's why I am so glad to be talking to you from the text from Luke chapter 4, verses 38 to 44 today, because God is going to speak through Dr. Luke to us through this text and help speak into this very idea of balancing those tensions and uh, balancing the nuances of our mission. And I think it's going to apply to us both personally, as individuals, and corporately as a church. So keep that in mind. Be thinking, okay, how does this apply to me? But then how does this apply to us as we go into this? So again, Luke chapter 4, verses 38 to 44. And if you uh, don't have a Bible, uh, you can keep the one on your pew. That's our gift to you. Um, So feel free to take that with you when you leave. Um, Let's go ahead and read verses 38 39. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. So here we see, we've got to notice this right off the bat, we see Jesus moving from the synagogue to the home. So the formal setting, the formal teaching environment of the synagogue to the very personal and intimate setting of the home. And that's that's important to keep in mind, that that context shift is key here. And then we see that Jesus, noting being sensitive to the woman's need, Peter's mother-in-law's need, her fever. Noticing that, Jesus steps in, draws close. The text says stands over. So what I get from that is Jesus is getting, getting close. He's getting in, in for the real thing. I mean, he is probably even laying a hand on uh, this woman right now is what I kind of picture and he heals her. 
There's no hesitation from Jesus. He doesn't look at the, he doesn't look at the fever and say, okay, uh, this is just a fever. This is a little bit beneath me, son of God. You know, I'm going to let somebody else deal with this. No, he steps in and makes a personal touch. He rebukes the fever, and, and look at what happens next. As soon as the woman is healed, as soon as the fever is cast out, the woman jumps to action. She's released back into her mission. And what does she start doing? She starts serving. Her attitude changes. Um, her attitude is one that's full of gratitude. And then her action changes. She goes from being ill to jumping into action and moving and serving. She's been restored by Jesus to her mission. Released. Let's keep going. Verses 40 to 41. When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them. He would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. So look, word's gotten out. Jesus is healing. All you've got to do is get near. All you've got to do is reach out and touch a piece of his clothing and he will heal you. You'll be healed. Sickness, you're demon-possessed, whatever's going on with you in your life, you get near to Jesus, bam, problem solved. So as you can imagine, people are flocking to Jesus. They're lining up to meet this man, to get near. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't turn away the crowds. He doesn't say, no, 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 I'm, 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 not, I'm not able to deal with that right now. Nor does Jesus just wave his hand and heal everybody in an instant. What does he do? He stops, he takes the time to step into each individual person's ailment, demon possession, problem, issue, sickness, whatever and heals one at a time. The text says Jesus lays his hands on each individual person. This is taking time. This is taking energy. If you notice the time stamp that we get on this, the sun is setting when the crowds are gathering. This is when you and I, most of us, are, would be kind of um, unwinding for the day. Jesus is gearing up. He's getting ready to go to work and touching each individual person with a personal touch. So let's keep going. What, what do we get to next? Verse 42 um, all the way to 44. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also 
because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Okay, so where do we find ourselves in this, in this section of the text? Now the sun is rising. So Jesus has been healing. He's been making that personal touch, stepping into every single individual person's issues and problems all night. He's been going at this thing all night. And what does he do? He hits the pause button. says, boom, pause. I'm going to step away. I'm going to move to a solitary place. Jesus steps away from the crowd because he realizes that isn't the only aspect of his mission. There's, there's dual aspects to Jesus' mission. And he, and he takes that time to step away. And what happens? The people, of course, they follow him. But how does Jesus know when is time to stop? How does Jesus know when, okay, at this point, I'm, this will be my last healing? I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't say, okay, we're at uh, healing number 350, that's it for today, I'm done, we're going to move on. Uh, the sun is rising, I'm, I'm heading out, that's my cue to leave. There isn't a manual for this. Jesus isn't following some kind of rule book that says uh, X amount of healings in the day and preach the gospel this many times in the day. It's not like that. He has a fine-tuned sensitivity to the dual aspects of his mission. And he's perfectly balanced all the time. So he takes his pause, he steps away, he gets reconnected with the Father, it was what we can assume. And then he states his mission explicitly. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because this is why I was sent. Jesus never loses sight of his mission. He never loses sight of why he's here in the first place. Jesus is operating in that, that tension and that balance of a worthwhile mission. You've got to hear that, that tension and that balance of a worthwhile mission. He's preaching a living gospel that's authenticated by his works. He's giving a personal touch and the simple truth and combining both of those things. Jesus gets personal. Right? He gets personal on an individual level, but he realizes that the plan is never to heal every individual. So he gets personal with that personal touch on an individual level, but he realizes the plan is never to heal every individual. That's just not his mission. Jesus was, wasn't constantly healing, nor was he constantly preaching. Jesus was constantly healing and constantly preaching all the time. He was full of grace and truth in their fullness all the time. 
And that's what we get a picture of here in this, these few lines of text. That perfect balance. The embodiment of that perfect sensitivity and balance to mission. So, so what? I mean, what does this all mean for us? How do we do this? How do we function in this tension? How do we know when we're on mission and when we're straying off? And as individuals and as a body of believers, we need to be asking this question. How do I love my neighbor? How do I do that in the best way that I possibly can? I think about the disciples in Acts who delegated their task of waiting tables so that they could focus their attention on preaching the word. They were feeling that tension and they were tuned in with that sensitivity to their mission. Not that they would never make a personal touch on anyone ever again. Not that they would ever make a connection in that way of service again. But they somehow knew intuitively and by leaning into the Spirit that, you know what, now it's time for us to focus our attention on preaching and we'll delegate this task of serving to someone else. Imagine if they hadn't done that. Imagine if Jesus had stayed around just to heal everybody. If he had just done what he felt like doing. I mean, he had all the power to heal. What if he had just stayed, made an individual touch on every single person? They would have just kept on coming and coming and coming. The needs would have never ended. And we wouldn't have had the gospel we wouldn't have the, the preaching of the kingdom of God connected with that action. See, we have two things at play here. Personal touch and simple truth. For Jesus, they couldn't be separated. And for us, they shouldn't be separated either. But for me, I regularly fail at this balance at getting it right. Jesus was 100% personal touch and 100% simple truth all the time. But how do we do that? Now for me, I tend to swing towards the simple truth. Honestly, I love talking about what I'm passionate about. Okay? I, and if I stay there, if I just surround myself with smart people, people that are wise and good teachers, and I just hang out here at this extreme of simple truth, then I'm failing at the bigger picture mission because I'm no longer balanced. But I know for some of us, and sometimes, some seasons of our life, we swing towards the personal touch side, making that connection, that human interaction, that uh, whatever we can offer in, in the way of healing, whatever we can offer in the way of counseling, um, whatever we can do, that, uh, that interpersonal relationship that we have with people, and we hang out there.
But let's be honest. We're never going to strike the balance perfectly. And that's why I love this quote from Hendricks. He says, balance is the place where you find yourself swinging from one extreme to the other. Balance is when we find ourselves swinging. Not static, not completely still, but moving from one to the other, constantly in motion, taking that step towards, towards the simple truth, taking that step towards the personal touch and letting that, letting that swing balance our mission. So the worst thing that we could do is stop swinging. The worst thing that we could do is just be satisfied to hang out in the extremes and to say, hey, this, this is where it's comfortable, this is where it's familiar, this is where I like to operate, and just stay there. Or swing to the other side and say, oh, I'm comfortable here, there's no pressure here, there's no tension here, I'm familiar with this. And to stop swinging. But imagine if we took the encouragement from our text this morning from the life of Jesus and we kept swinging. We were able to dial up that sensitivity to our mission and the dual aspects, the multiple aspects of our mission. Imagine if as as individuals and as Grace Point Church we kept swinging. So tuned into the mission that a balance of grace and truth was what, what we became, um, came to be known for. What if we saw Jesus doing miracles and we didn't say, hey, what are you doing here? Can't you see we're busy? Like Chuck said last week. What if when we saw Jesus doing miracles, we stepped in and we joined Him in what He was doing and didn't forget the mission, didn't forget the message that needs to be tied to that all the time? What if we ask, are we on mission? What if that was the question that kept on playing through our head? Are we on mission? Are we swinging? Are we in the balance of that tension. See, in our text this morning, the message and the method have come together perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ. He's a personal Savior that was willing to step into suffering and pain. He's willing to go to the cross for us. He was willing to have nails driven through his wrists and feet for us. He's willing to step into that pain and personally take that on himself. He never lost sight of the the mission. He never lost sight of the kingdom that he was ushering in. He never failed to preach the kingdom of God and connect those two things. Jesus is a friend of sinners. And while we won't get the balance perfect, 
we can take our lead, we can take an example from Him, and we can swing. We can be sensitive to the needs of our community and step in to those things that are difficult, the mess of real life. But we can also remember that there's a bigger mission that needs to be tied, a message that needs to be tied to that action. Consider what an incredible picture of the kingdom of God that would be. A spoken and lived witness of a promised future. Both of those things happening seamlessly together. Imagine if our church came to be known for building the kingdom in that way. Full of grace and truth in their fullness all the time just like Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for coming to us as a friend. Thank you for coming to us into our personal space, into our lives as messy as they are, as screwed up as they are, and making a personal touch. Lord, thank you for not just waving your hand and making everything that's bad go away, making sin go away, making illness go away. But Lord, thank you for being the living embodiment of your mission and coming to die on the cross for us and make that personal sacrifice for us so that we could know the kingdom of God, so that we could know the mission, so that we could know the gospel, so that we could connect your message with your saving action. Lord, I pray that you would help this to become our identity. This is, this is who we are as individuals. This is who we are as a church, placing our hope and our trust in you. Lord, we love you and we thank you and pray that as we attempt to strike that balance that we would lean hard into you and that your spirit would guide us to help us to keep swinging for the sake of your kingdom.